0: Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace this afternoon, thanking you for your goodness and mercy in our lives. And we thank you for your precious Son who died for our sins and rose from the dead, because of whom we have become one body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of whom we have access unto you, and because of whom we enjoy the fellowship as your redeemed community by the blood of the Lamb. Heavenly Father, as we listen to your word, Lord, we confess that our hearts are hardened, O Lord. We confess that we hear, but we don't practice it. We confess that we don't pay careful attention with reverence when we listen to your word. We confess that, O Lord, there is so much of depravity in our hearts. And we plead with you, O Lord, this morning, please to send the ministry of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to break our hardened hearts and to enlighten our blinded minds, and to shed your light upon us and revive us so that we would be the people who fear your name and walk according to your word. Please to keep us away, Lord, from the assaults of the enemy because one of the schemes of the devil is to snatch the word that will be sown into our hearts and we don't want to give any room for the devil to snatch the sown word. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would seal every word That we hear in our hearts and convict us, penetrate us and enlighten us and transform us and make us into the people who are conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, speak to us, O Lord, for your children are willing to listen. Just as Samuel said that, speak to me, O Lord, your servant is listening and we are opening our hearts and telling you, Lord, speak to us we are willing to listen to your word have mercy on us we thank you for the gift of your word in the name of our beloved savior jesus christ we offer this prayer amen amen okay please turn with me to ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 you know one of the things that i love to mentioned whenever i preach is the scriptures and also at the same time a very good bible teachers trustworthy under the authority of the word of god and i would like to begin my message with john piper's quote on how prayer is very important for a christian and he also mentions why we take it easy and this is how john piper mentions here he says you that We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. You do not take prayer seriously until you know that life is war. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of these truths. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that they can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. What he shares here is that to many Christians, prayer is a domestic intercom. And when do you use intercom? When you are in need, right? You call and say that there is a need here. Would you please attend it? But what Piper says here is that prayer is not a domestic intercom. It is a wartime walkie-talkie. And what do you see in the wartime walkie-talkie? You see that soldiers are alert 24 by 7. You cannot see their walkie-talkie switch off. Because they are in war. They need to be alert. They need to switch on their walkie-talkie 24 by 7. Constantly receiving messages from the headquarters. And constantly passing information to the headquarters. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you are here using prayer as only a domestic intercom, you will live a defeated Christian life. You don't experience the power of what it means to be a Christian. It is important that we see prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie. You know, one of my... um, exciting, uh, expository preachers. You will find very few sermons of him. You know, one of the things you should learn when we preach is that you should get to know some authors and understand how to interpret the Bible. And very few sermons that you find of him. And I'm telling you, when I listen to him, I just get soaked into the prayer and word. And uh, his name is, is no more now, Stephen Alford. Many of you may not have heard. And I'm telling you that you should listen to his sermon on quiet time. One of the powerful sermons You will hear and how quiet time is so important. And this is what he says. He says here that there is never a moment in our lives when we are not in urgent danger. Do you hear this? Never a moment where you are not in urgent danger. What he's telling is that Christian life is in constant urgent danger. The devil is ever ready to attack when we stop praying. Without prayer, we are utterly defenseless. So as we have been going through Ephesians 6 from verse 10, we have seen that we are in a warfare. We have seen that we have to take up the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And after speaking about the armor of God, Paul now dwells into one of the most important disciplines of the Christian without which your armor is powerless. And he says here that, You need to be praying at all times in the Holy Spirit. We have seen the previous sermon where I have spent about 55 minutes where I explained to you about what it means to pray at all times and how we can cultivate the discipline of praying at all times. And I was so glad to hear some of you testifying to me that how that sermon has really revived you, changed you and broken you And made you into a vessel who are constantly learning to pray, incessantly looking unto God throughout the day. So, praise be to God for that. There is no greater encouragement to a preacher than to see the listeners practicing the Word of God. And there is no discouragement, there is no other greater discouragement to a preacher than to see people listening every Sunday and don't care to put it into practice. Maybe be obedient people to the Word of God. And today, we will spend the rest of the time of what it means to pray in the Spirit. Because a lot of us are confused and uh, there is so much of messages that are passing on where people don't understand what it means to be praying in the Holy Spirit. Bible does, does, doesn't just say that pray at all times. It says here in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Okay. Shall you all read together? And you can repeat with me, praying at all times in the spirit. And not only in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, we also see that in Jude chapter 20. Please turn to Jude chapter 20. Verse 20? Yeah, you are very alert. Good, I'm just testing whether you are alert. Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. And you see here what it says again, not only in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, we also see that in Jude chapter verse 20, it says here, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. You need to build yourself up in the most holy faith and also praying in the Holy Spirit. Now that goes together. You cannot grow strong in your faith if you don't Pray in the Holy Spirit, and i'm wanting to I, I want to remind you once again that these were not written to pastors, these were not written to elders, these were not written to Christian leaders, these were written to believers, all should be praying at all times, all should be devoted to prayer, and all should be praying in the Holy Spirit. you know I reminded when I was reading this about uh, What Ephesians says, praying in the Holy Spirit and also Jude 20 says, praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of what Charles Spurgeon says here. Why praying in the Spirit is so important. It mentions here that without the Holy Spirit, true prayer will never be presented. Do you understand here? As much as it is important for us to have access to the Father through the blood of the Lamb, it is also important that we have access to the Father in the Holy Spirit. That's exactly, if you read Ephesians 2, it says that we have access through the Lord by the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, no prayer will be presented to the Lord. The thing offered to God will wear the name and have the form, but the inner life of prayer will be far from it. There is only form. There are only words. There is only a posture. But there is no life in that prayer. Why? Because it is not offered in the Holy Spirit now as I begin to explain to you what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit I also want to first clarify what it is not what praying in the Holy Spirit is not because I was born in a church in a moment where I was taught that this is what praying in the Holy Spirit is and I practiced this for a long time and later understood that that is, that is not what it means and not what the scripture says Right, and I would like to take some of the good Bible scholars who will explain what praying in the Holy Spirit is not. And I would like to begin what John Piper says here. I don't think praying in the Spirit refers, by the way, to praying in tongues, praying in heavenly language. That's not what the text means here. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what some people think, which is why I mention in here the reason I don't think that is because Ephesians six eighteen says. Pray at all times in the spirit. It doesn't make any sense. How can you pray at all times in tongues where you don't understand, nobody understands and you're praying not only in the tongues but you're also praying for others. So it's a good logic that it is not praying in tongues. Stephen Cole also mentions another point here. Praying in the Holy Spirit does not refer to praying in tongues or to pray emotionally. A lot of people think that if you pray loud or if there are a lot of emotions are involved wow what a spiritual man he is not necessarily and if a person is speaking slow calm like sigh and uh, oh man he doesn't have the spirit because there is no loudness in that there is no emotions in that there is no ecstasy in that but that's completely wrong biblically Praying in the Holy Spirit, Stephen Cole says, does not refer to praying in tongues or to pray emotionally. The early church experienced the gift of speaking and praying in tongues while there is a debate about whether the gift is still given. I am convinced that most of what goes on under the banner today is illegitimate. In our text, Paul is talking about making definite petitions to God, not praying in an unknown tongue. Also, while it is right to involve our emotions in prayer as with sense of a desperate need, this is not what Paul means by praying in the Spirit. And I have been taught, I have read books that taught me that, you know, this is how praying in the Spirit is. And if you don't pray like that, you are not a man of the Spirit. You know, another commentator, very good Bible teacher, John Phillips, he says that praying in the Spirit does not mean going into a trance, Or speaking an ecstatic utterance. You know I still remember when I was born again. And I was grew up in a church where spirit means all shouting, yelling, rolling and uh, all hysterical experiences. So I remember how I prayed in my early Christian life. It is like I was shaking profusely and looking for some kind of... You know, magnificent light. When I closed my eyes, I was not looking to God. I was looking to light as if the normal light is not enough. And the sunlight is not enough. You want to see something even in the dark. And I closed my eyes and I was looking for something. And I was shaking profusely like this. And then I was falling back. And I was thinking this is a spirit experience. Nothing but an emotional self-manipulation. That's not what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. The Praying in the Spirit does not mean going into a trance or speaking an ecstatic utterance. The Holy Spirit does not overpower our mental faculties where you behave like a demon possessed person. And that's what we see today in the name of the Spirit. What nonsense is happening in the churches today? The Holy Spirit does not overpower our mental faculties. He directs but he does not dominate. He never acts despotically uncontrollably hysterically the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets 1 Corinthians 14 32 so I want to tell you that praying in the Holy Spirit is not praying in tongues praying in the Holy Spirit is not praying emotionally praying in the Holy Spirit is not going into a trance and having hysterical emotional experience but what is praying in the Holy Spirit I would like to, I was struggling with this. I was spending hours studying, meditating on what it means. And finally, I'm convinced to draw pneumatological applications from the very book of Ephesians, since we are dwelling upon Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. And what pneumatological, which means verses related to the Holy Spirit, applications that can be drawn from the very book of Ephesians. No no need to go here and there. The book itself is sufficient for us to teach us what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, the very first thing that I would like to tell you is this, and please make a note of it in your minds. And uh, uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. If you can, please turn your Bibles or else you can pray. Pay careful attention as I read. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth... The gospel of salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now there are two things that we need to understand here. That is, when a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is sealed with the Holy Spirit. I have grown up in a church and a movement for many years where I was taught that you need to have a second experience to receive the Holy Spirit. This doesn't speak about having a second experience. It saves you that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, until when you are sealed with the Holy Spirit is the next question that you need to ask when you read this text. Until we acquire possession of it, which means you don't lose the Holy Spirit. A believer will not lose the Holy Spirit. Now, you need to be careful when you are praying Psalm 51. There is a difference between the, uh, you know, the, the, the economy of God in the Old Testament and how it functions. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon prophets and kings and priests for effective service. Holy Spirit did not dwell in people. Okay, He did not dwell in people as it dwells in us. But in the New Testament, every believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit and empowered to live and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not only for special people. Every believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So it is not right to say that take not thy Holy Spirit from me. God will never do that because he himself gave the promise here that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit until you acquire position of glorious eternal inheritance. So what does it mean actually when we say this here? Now this is what praying in the Holy Spirit is. The first application, listen to this carefully. Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You cannot pray in the Holy Spirit if you are not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You need to have the Spirit of God in you. You need to be sealed with the Holy Spirit which happens only through faith and repentance in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when you realize that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, and is the only way for your salvation and through Him alone you have access to God, you repent and believe in Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit the time you are born again. And apart from the Spirit of God, apart from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, no one, no one, no one can pray in the Holy Spirit. In fact, in order to support this, Romans 8, 9 clearly says that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Do you see that if you don't have the Spirit, you do not belong to Christ? You are not acceptable to Christ because the, one of the seal marks that you belong to Christ is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. A man. Without the spirit. Now listen carefully. The application that I am making. It's not just that you have the spirit in you. But you have no desire for prayer. If there is no spirit of God in you. I understand there are times that we go through dryness. We go through temptations. We go through wilderness. We go through that barrenness. For a period of time that bout of spiritual dryness. But again, we experience the revival and come back to God. But if a person is consistently prayerless, he is spiritless. If a person is consistently having no desire to draw closer to the heart of God, he has not been born in the spirit. And I tell you here, if anyone is here consistently, For consistently, by the time you become a Christian, no desire for prayer. I tell you, you're not born again. You are a superficial Christian who deceived thinking that you're born again. And today's the time, I tell you, repent of your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins and rose from the dead so that by having the genuine born-again experience, you would cultivate a desire for prayer. And not just me. There are some good Bible teachers who say what I claim. For example, Oswald Chambers who is known to be one of the great authors of uh, the only book that he wrote. Actually, he didn't, read any, he didn't write any book. I was reading his biography, he didn't write any book. His wife actually took his talks from here and there and she wrote the book, My Atmos for His Highest, which is one of the classic devotionals in the history of Christianity. And you should know that he didn't write it. His wife took his talks and wrote it into a book. He was not a writer. He was a simple, ordinary man. The world never knew. The, only, the world came to know him only through the book, My Utmost for His Highest, which was written by his wife. And Oswald Chambers says this, A great many people do not pray because they don't feel any sense of need. Now, this is very important. You know, I've been picking my kids since the time they were in LKG, Joy and Joe. Every day almost I, I drop them and I pick them. Let me tell you that until and unless it is pre-planned and inform them, I don't remember me failing to pick them up. Why? Because they are my life. They are the heart of my soul. They are the apple of my eye. And they know that how much almost every day I tell them I love you. And I, you are very dear to me. And I hug them and I kiss them. They are teens. They may become husbands. They may become fathers. I don't care. They are always my kids and I hug them and kiss them. Because I sense the need, they are dear to me, I cannot miss it. Now if prayer, if I see that God is so important to me and is the greatest need of my life, I would not dare to miss it. The problem is not that you are busy in job. The problem is not that you are bogged down with household chores. The problem is that you don't sense the need, absolute need to pray. And he says here that, now listen carefully, the sign that the Holy Spirit is in us is that we realize not that we are full, but that we are empty. The more you have the Spirit, you don't feel that I'm bubbling, I am enjoying, and I am full of, you know, prayer and all, but you sense the greatest need. And he says that there is a sense of absolute need when you have the Holy Spirit in you. Again, C.S. Person says that. Now listen carefully. Powerful, powerful statement he makes C.S. Person He says here that true prayer is a sure evidence of spiritual awakening. You are really an evidence that it, you are born again. The Holy Spirit has put spiritual life into the heart of the man who prays. For prayer is the breath of heavenly life. Prayer is the breath of heavenly life. And, and prayer shows that you are truly born again. You have the sign of the spirit in you. And again, a great spiritual hero of the past, J.C. Ryle, he says that just as the first sign of the life of an infant when born into the world is the act of breathing. Listen carefully what he says. Just as the first sign of the life of an infant when born into this world is the act of breathing, so the first act of men and women when they are born again is praying. If a person is not praying when he's born again. If a person is not praying if he claims to receive the Holy Spirit. He is not born at all. Only born again people can be praying people. Only the people who have the Spirit of God can pray. So I encourage you brothers and sisters. Please examine your faiths. And if anyone is here consistently, regularly, no life of prayer. Please repent of your sins. You don't have to doubt whether you're born again. But the good news is, you can be saved any when you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second mark, the second mark of, you know, praying in the Holy Spirit is this. You know, the other day I was dropping my sons Joy and Joe in school and college. I still dropped them because I enjoy dropping them. And uh, that's a time, little time, we can spend some time because we are busy. And I took a souvenir, uh, who is uh, Vijay's uh, son, Abigail's and Vijay's son, in the car. Hey, would you like to come? I'm dropping my kids. And then he sat in the car, yes, I will come. And we were traveling and I asked him, will you pray? Because I'm dropping my kids into the school and uh, would you pray? And this is how he prayed. He prayed that, Lord, I pray that this car would turn into a giant robot and guns would come out of it. And shoot, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. I was laughing to death when he was praying. Then what? My goodness, it's a Transformers prayer. <laughs> but we may laugh at it, people. But you know how many of us pray like that? It's all about my needs, my whims, my wishes. That sounds very funny. But the way we pray also is very much funny, very funny. You know, uh, let me just read this for you. What it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. I would like you to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. And this is how it says here that, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, now listen what it says, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in The knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now I want you to observe what the scripture says here when Paul is praying. Now, this is what I say that. It means that praying in the Holy Spirit means praying with God-centered mindset. Praying in the Holy Spirit means praying with God-centered mindset. It is not with self-centered mindset. It is with God-centered mindset. And Paul himself, when he was praying in the Holy Spirit for people, he said that, Lord, I pray that they that they receive the spirit of wisdom and understanding that they may know you. Now understand this, what it says here. In the knowledge of him means knowing you. He's not praying for unbelievers that they come to know you. He's praying for believers because God is infinite and eternal that we have to keep growing in knowing God and experiencing God in our personal life. And Paul is praying in the Holy Spirit. And I love what John Stott highlights here. He says here that the reference that speaks about the spirit of wisdom... And understanding is referring to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the scripture speaks of Him as the Spirit of truth He is the Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit of wisdom. He is the Spirit of understanding. He is the Spirit of power. He is the Spirit of discernment. And when the Bible says that, that He may give you the Spirit of knowledge and wisdom to know God, which means apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot know and experience the power and the presence. Of God. Now what happens here? There are three things actually that Paul is praying. When he was praying in the Holy Spirit for believers. And these days we don't see people really praying for this. And you know, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you will pray with this heavenly mindset. You know, what is the first thing he prays? He says that they may know you. You know what the Spirit of God does when He comes in you and leads you in prayer? He takes your eyes off from self. He takes your eyes off from the world. He takes your eyes off from your own personal selfish dreams. And He points you to the God of the heavens and the earth. And He convinces you that He is your greatest need. Why did He come? He came to glorify Christ, not to glorify you. Why did he come? He came to lead us into all the truth. He didn't come to fulfill your personal dreams and ambitions and visions. Why did he come? He came so that he can reveal the glory of Christ to us, not to show you how much you can make much of yourself by living your life. He has not come to fulfill your will and wishes and whims. He has come to fulfill the will of the Father in heaven. He has come to build the kingdom of God. The Lord's prayer that He taught us, our Father in heaven let your kingdom come, let your will be done as it is in heaven. He came to fulfill that prayer. He didn't come to build your kingdom, people. He came to build the kingdom of God. When you are led by the Spirit, you would be hungering, thirsting, having the desperate need for God Himself. You know why so many prayers are self-centered? Because they are not Spirit-centered. The Holy Spirit Is not guiding them. And you know what it says here? He's also praying that that you may see the glorious eternal inheritance. All that the believers are thinking today is my career, my job, my settlement, my profession, what uh, positions that I can acquire, where I should settle. It's all about the glorious earthly inheritance in the Bible. It is not glorious at all. When you are a man and a woman filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit You would be beholding the glory of the eternal inheritance in your suffering, in your temptation Because you realize that that's your home And that's where you need to fix your eyes And that's what you need to be longing for And never satisfied even if your job is giving you one crore every month Even if you have a biggest mansion in the planet earth Nothing would satisfy you. You would be saying, I need Jesus. I need God. And that's the reason the Spirit of God has come to lead us, to make us hungry, thirsty, to seek to live a God-centered life. And you know, what is the other thing he prays here? My goodness, we need to pray that, Lord, you open my eyes. I still don't understand what it means, honestly speaking. I want to really understand what it means to have that immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. Do you understand that? Immeasurable power. You cannot measure it. That's what God has given you by His indwelling Spirit. These days actually people pray, fill me with the power. It's okay to pray, I understand that. But what Paul is praying is that, Lord open my eyes to realize what power is there already inside of me. I have the immeasurable power in me and I don't understand that. I don't see the glory of it. And may your spirit open my eyes to see how strong am I. It is not the glorification of the situations. Oh, the situation is so tough. If you understand what power God has given you, you understand when you pray in the spirit that I am more than conqueror over the temptations. I am more than conqueror over the devil and his assaults against me. I am more than conqueror over all the personal weaknesses that I have. Because... Of the immeasurable power the Spirit of God has given us for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ brand Chapel, another very good expository preacher he says here that what do we seek when praying in the spirit what do we seek when praying in the spirit such prayer is not a plea for magical power it is a prayer for the spirit to stir up within us within ourselves in the body of Christ A greater zeal for God. This is what praying in the Holy Spirit is. People have become so selfish that even when they pray in the Holy Spirit, they want to experience some kind of, you know, entertaining, entertainment in the feelings. I want to feel. Why do you want to feel? Why do you want to feel? You should be saying, Lord, I don't care about my feelings. I don't care about what I think and what I feel. It doesn't matter. What I want is, I want to know you. And it's not that only when your emotions and your goosebumps are tickling, only then you say, oh, God is there with me. No. Christian life is not jolly and exciting all the time. It is a life of affliction, life of challenges, life of temptation. Even in the midst of them. Lord, I want to know you. I want to have that hunger and thirst for you. And that is what it means praying in the Holy Spirit. But fleshly prayer... He's all about self. Lord, meet my needs, heal my sickness. Lord, I am discouraged. Lord, I am weak. Oh, Lord, it's all about me, 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 mine. That's the only thing. That's not what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. He will, He will take you beyond your human conception and focus you and fix you and soak you into the divine glory. My goodness, let's pray for that kind of prayer in the Holy Spirit. Andrew Murray says here, God cannot hear the prayers on our lips often because the desires of our heart after the world cry out to him much more. Listen to this carefully, what he says. Beautiful, powerful. And these days, we preachers are spoiling people. Instead of giving this kind of God-centered thing, we say that God has a beautiful plan for you. What beautiful plan? Nonsense. His only plan is one thing, that you should be mad, crazy, live and die for the glory of God. There is no better plan God has for you than that. Because He exists for Himself and He made us for His glory. I remember once uh, when I was um, in a church and uh, I was sharing the gospel and I shared with a person a gospel. I didn't know much about that. Not much theology, much doctrine. I shared the gospel with the person and I brought him to the person in the church, the church leader, so that the person can pray. And that person, when he prayed, I brought him. I preached the pure gospel, brought him to that person because I was a part of the church. And the person prayed. I still remember. I was so angry at that prayer. Prayed and said that God will send you to America. This guy is a lost, Christless, sinful, totally depraved person. And the prayer is that after telling God has a wonderful plan for you, God will prosper you, he will take you to America. No heaven, no foot of the cross, no gospel. And these days, listen to the messages and books. God, what desires you have. Pray God will meet your desires. Do this and God will fulfill your dreams. What do you want? You will experience God in every way. It's all about earthly glories. Murray says here, one of the, I'm telling you people, don't read many books today. Many books are garbage. Throw in the dustbin. Few books are there which are very good. If you want to know deep spirituality, go to the old classics. And Andrew Murray is one of the old classic writers. And he says here that God cannot hear to our prayers today because our desire is, our prayers are more for the world than for loudly desiring for Him. Listen to this, what he says. God cannot hear the prayers on our lips often because the desires of our heart, after the world, after the world, after the world, cry out to Him much more strongly and loudly than our desires for Him. What are your desires crying people What are your passions crying out? What are your thoughts lingering in your mind? Is it God, God, God? Lord, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the ultimate creator. You are the ultimate goal. There is nothing greater than you. There is nothing greater than knowing you. There is nothing greater than loving you and experiencing you. Oh Lord, you are the most glorious, beautiful, exhilarating person. And I want to know you more than anything in this world. As the psalmist says that, What did he say? On this earth, I desire only one thing, that is you, O Lord. Where are those crazy guys for God? How rarely we find them. And he says here that love of prayer is one of the marks of the Holy Spirit. Love of prayer is one of the marks of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing about what praying in the Holy Spirit is, come to Ephesians 4. It teaches you what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. We have seen the first mark is that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by indwelled by the Holy Spirit and second is that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying with God-centered mindset and the third is this is what it means. Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by not cherishing sins that grieves the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by not cherishing sins that grieves the Holy Spirit. It says here that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 to 32 and please follow me carefully. You know what it says? And do not grieve the spirit of God. Don't grieve him. He's a loving person. You know there are two things that we understand when we read this that Holy Spirit is a person. A lot of people, believers, they pray Holy Spirit as it. It came and it spoke to me. Holy Spirit is not a it. It's not a thing. Holy Spirit is a person who has emotions, intellect, will. And the Bible says that do not grieve the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit has emotions. And He is also gone. And you know what it says here? Again, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Now listen to this carefully. You don't grieve the Holy Spirit by directly attacking Him. Are you understanding? You don't grieve the Holy Spirit by directly attacking Him. No one in our generation can commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. No one. If you understand what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now what it means, now listen what it says. Right after saying do not grieve the Holy Spirit, it says here that let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if you look at Ephesians 4, 30 to 32, it is rooted, actually, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. Do You want to see that? Just listen how it says. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, With all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another, not tearing, which we are very good at. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That is how he began saying that. Why do we need gentleness? Why do we need patience? Not like the secular motivational so that people would find out they are a good man, nice man, self-glory. No, that is not the thing. The reason why we need these virtues is so that we can fight for the unity of the spirit. Because the spirit of God is the spirit of unity. And when you have this, and then he says here that do not grieve the Holy Spirit because when you have this bitterness critical spirit, unforgiving spirit, constantly mulling over, meditating over the hurt people give you. It's all about what others have done you. And then, how can you pray in the Holy Spirit? You cannot. Because praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by not grieving the Holy Spirit. You know what is the first thing that the Spirit of God will do when you really pray in the Holy Spirit? He will lead you to get in peace with others. He will say, go and talk to that person. You have sinned against me by sinning against that brother or sister. You were judgmental, you were bitter, you were critical, unforgiving. I'm telling you, as long as you are filled with this, you can never ever experience what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you that I have come from churches where people have all these things and they have beautiful experience of the Spirit. And I don't know what Spirit is that. And I don't think so it is the spirit of God. They do backbiting, gossiping and hatred and all because they don't care about love. They don't care about forgiveness. They don't care about unity. It's all about, you know, emotional experience. And when I prayed, you know, oh, the presence of God came, the light has came. No conviction, no brokenness, no repentance, no reconciliation. It's all about goosebumps experience. My goodness, these people are making Christianity a goosebump Christianity. And that is not what Christianity is. Christianity is a religion or a faith of humility. It's a faith of reconciliation. It's a faith of submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you are a person who is very oversensitive, which is another word for pride and arrogance, I'm telling you that. Ask God, Lord, please to have mercy on me. I'm a man of arrogance. I'm a man of stiff nakedness. I'm very oversensitive. Almost thinking about what people have done to me rather than what I have to do for people. Please to break me, change me. You start learning what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. You start learning what to pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, I would like to uh, just end this section with uh, what Peter O'Brien says here. Now listen carefully what he says. Paul understands... The Spirit in fully personal terms, since only persons can be grieved or feel pain and distress. His injunction is striking for... Now, as I read this, I'm just reminded to really mention to you. Now, listen to this carefully, people. Listen carefully. I think this is very important because some of you are coming from legalism. All of us fight with that, but let me tell you. The scripture here doesn't say, do not provoke the Holy Spirit to anger. Now listen to this carefully. All the wrath that we deserve has been consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. You and I can never be as believers of Christ objects of the wrath of God. That has been paid. A lot of people think that God is angry. God is punishing me. God is trying to do something. Come out of it. That's a pagan mindset. That's a legalistic mindset. God can never be angry to hurt you, to kill you, to destroy you. That is not the God of the Holy Bible. The very, very glory. You know, do you remember when Moses was praying, show me your glory. Right? He said that if you see my glory, you will die. And you know what is the first words that he spoke? You know what what is the first words he spoke? And this is Old Testament people. That is what glory is. Glory is not, we are, I am telling you, we are children, always thinking about the transformative experience. You know, when, when God revealed his glory, it is not about the light. People, if you want light, we can get a high tension light. Okay, don't worry about light. We have enough light, great electricity, high tension power. So, it is not about the light and all these things. You know, what is the glory that God showed? It is who we is. And he says that I am the Lord the Lord who is compassionate, who is kind, who is merciful. That's what is glory, people. It's not about the goosebumps and the lights. It's the attributes of God, which is the glory of God. And when the scripture speaks here, it doesn't say that do not provoke the Holy Spirit to anger. It says that don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit is not angry at you when you sin. He is grieved because He is a spirit of love and he loves us even in our sins and he wants us to repent of our sins. So please understand that there are some wonderful truths that we learn from here about who the Holy Spirit is and how he deals with us. And that's what he says here then. Since only persons can be grieved or feel pain and distress, his injunction is striking for it refers not to a direct attack on the spirit. Now listen carefully what he enlightens here. This doesn't refer to a direct attack on the Holy Spirit, but to attacking believers. People listen to this. When you are gossiping, when you are bitter, when you are critical, when you are judgmental, you are attacking the body of Christ. And when you are attacking the body of Christ, you are attacking the Holy Spirit. Be mindful of it. It is not the direct attack on the Holy Spirit but to believers engaging in sinful activities mentioned in the previous verses which destroys relationships within the body. And so mar the Spirit's work in building Christ's people. Anything now listen carefully what he says. Anything incompatible with the unity and purity of the Spirit is inconsistent with the Spirit's own nature and therefore grieves him. Now what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit You pray with a forgiving heart. You pray with a tender heart. You pray with a humble heart. You pray with a kind heart. Where there is no kindness, where there is no tenderness, where there is no humility, where there is no forgiveness, there is no presence of the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by not cherishing sins that grieves the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Let's all stand together at this time and pray at this time. People, it is not how much we listen. It is how much we practice that matters. And I encourage you to spend some time in prayer. If you can, get on your knees, please get on your knees, if you can. But pray to the Lord at this time. Think about these three things. I cannot pray if I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. And if I have the Holy Spirit, do I have the desire to pray? And the second thing is praying with God centeredness, with God centered mindset. And the third is you would not pray by grieving the Holy Spirit, committing the sins against the body of Christ. Our brothers, please. Don't make that noise here. Please be silent and just hear the word and seek the Lord at this time. Let's examine ourselves and ask God, Lord, you forgive me, O Lord, for I am praying in flesh and not in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to revive my prayer life. Just talk to God, people. Don't be silent. If you have the Spirit of God in you, speak. Speak. Call upon Abba Father. Talk to Him. Pour out your heart to Him. Confess your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Give you a heart of His. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com You may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, C-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-D-A-V-I-D at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Grace and peace be to you.